are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Passionate, curious, dynamic. Saxophonist, composer, educator, and curator, Michael Rene Torres serves as lecturer of saxophone at Ohio State University and instructor of saxophone and composition at Muskegon University. He is also the founder and artistic director of the Columbus, Ohio Discovery Ensemble, a contemporary music ensemble that is dedicated to the promotion, performance, and perception of new music in Central Ohio. Michael is an active chamber musician as a member of Tower Duo with flutist Aaron Helgeson Torres, which specializes in creating engaging musical experiences and commissioning new concert works by emerging composers for the flute and saxophone duet. He describes his music as a juxtaposition of consonance and dissonance that is dramatic and theatrical, with complex, intricate moments and calm, introspective moments. Thank you so much, Michael, for uh, for being on the podcast and you know talking with me today. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you. So I want to start with uh, one of your pieces that was a reaction to 2016. And by 2016, everyone everyone knows what I'm talking about by now. <laughs> a lot of com- a lot of composers I've talked to in the past year have had a piece that is kind of a reaction to everything that went down. And uh, th- your piece, the one I'm talking about, is called "Here Lies the Body of This World," yeah, um, for flute, vibraphone, and piano. And this was written in the summer of 2016 amid, you know, all the mudslinging and, and horribleness that happens to us every four years. So I'm, cu- I'm just curious, what were you feeling during this time? Well, um, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to <clears throat> describe these things because so oftentimes when I'm um, talking um, to an audience about a piece that might might have been. Um, motivated by um, politics or something like that. I don't necessarily overtly want to want to say my 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 personal politics. <clears throat> sure. Because I want the audience to sort of uh, take away their own experience from it. Um, but I, I mean, like, I, I was very confused and, and angry. I think we all were uh, a little yeah um, shocked at at how. Um, everything was unfolding before us. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely a, um, um, more, (laughs) more, um, let's say reaction, gut reaction. And, uh, Mm -hmm. instead of, uh, or processing even than, than having, you know, immediately rushing to answers. So my music definitely was like searching, if you if you will. Right, right, right. So the t- the title of your piece, "Here Lies the Body of This World," I read that it's taken from a poem by uh, Henry David Thoreau. Um, why did you know? And, and actually, I think we're going to find out that text seems to be pretty important to you when you're you know when you're either coming up with ideas for pieces or searching for titles for pieces. So, well, so why did that particular text? you know, speak to you? Well, um, you're right. Text, uh, has been sort of, um, a big influence in my music recently. Uh, I, I've just been inspired by, uh, by poetry and, uh, I, I would say maybe imagery that poetry evokes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, this this particular poem was sort of about it's it's kind of about um, the end of the world as as Thoreau saw it, uh, and I think it was uh, basically um, change in the world from uh, you know the industrial revolution. You know, the, the, everything is changing, and um, and uh, not necessarily for for the best. And uh, so it it really resonated with me for the time. I mean, the poem is is kind of dark. It's it's really it's really sort of um, special and beautiful in a, in a dark sense. If can I read it? Yeah, that would be oh, great, okay. actually. Um, here lies. I mean, I don't think we're gonna run in. I don't think we're gonna run into any copyright issues or anything. No, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> here lies the body of this world, whose soul, alas, to hell is hurled. This golden youth, long since, was passed. Its silver manhood went as fast, an iron age drew on at last. Tis vain its character to tell, the several fates which it befell. What year it died, when twill arise, we only know that here it lies. Yeah, so yeah that's pretty dark. It's kind of dark, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I can... I, I can totally get why, you know, in that particular summer, you know, that would have been speaking. I, I mean, I, th- I think everyone was feeling like that. Like, you know, the basically like what the hell is going on? You know, it's 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 not. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned before you were just kind of like confused, Yeah. you know, and because, you know, basically the political landscape and the, the media that surrounded it was all so so surreal in a way that it was like this this kind of defies reality here what is what's going on so i can i can understand why that you know wow well if i if i can't make sense of reality at this moment maybe the world's you know maybe maybe we're done you know maybe it's over (laughs) yeah i think um i don't know that you know um I expect the world to end, you know, or, or, sure, or I have yeah. a, 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 you know, an, sort of a twisted or, or a view of, of what's going on now that it's, it's sort of the end of, of all the progress we've made. But, but I think that um, uh, regardless of, of uh, how things end up in the, in the future, um, I think it, it's sort of um, what an artist does is, is we draw upon what's happening in our lives and, and in the world mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, I think that that those were the feelings that I had at the time, and I think um, what's interesting to me looking back because it's an older piece of mine uh, by a few years, is that now I'm writing uh, music that is more hopeful, still po- perhaps political but hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- and I think that's that is a that is a big thing. Like I have I've spoken to so many so many composers recently who have, you know, a, a reaction piece. And it's interesting to see the, you know, the composers that are the, what they're writing now, if they're still like engaging in that kind of political or, or cultural, um, you know, using politics or, or culture in their music, it seems like now a lot of them are like, okay, well that happened. How do we move forward? Right. Yeah, um, I mean that that sort of commentary hopefully evolves also in, in a, you mm-hmm. know an individual artist's uh, work because um, I, I think that you know we've seen an evolution to the politics 
even as in um, <clears throat> the current presidency as it as it started before before it was the president, but um, you know the president elect into where it has gone now. There's a, a clear evolution. There's clear change and, and a path. There absolutely. Is. Yeah, and 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 I think that um, so in in reflecting on that, my music at least has has also had a path and in reaction to how the world has changed around that that sort of that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So in this particular piece, how did you take those kind of dark ideas or that kind of feeling, maybe maybe a feeling of confusion or a feeling of hopelessness and kind of, you know, musify them? Sure. <laughs> well, so uh, a lot of my music is um, rhythmically motivated. Uh, I, I'm... I'm really sort of obsessed with uh, layering uh, rhythm to create uh, texture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like like uh, painting. Right now, I'm I'm learning how to how to paint uh, with acrylic. Oh. Yeah, and and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And so some of the thi- some of the things I'm doing are um, like I'll I'll, I'll do. S- interesting textures uh, that are just sort of fun to, to do. And so I'll take a, 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 a base paint and I'll make a line and then I'll take a, a different kind of paint that complements it and I'll like squiggle a, on top of that paint and maybe a third one do little drips and then I'll take the brush and then I'll drag it along and it creates all these interesting textures with all three of the colors sort of intermixing and, and doing uh, as they will. Um, I, I, I sort of like that musically as well with... Um, with complicated rhythms stacked on top of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my performers often hate me for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not so bad when there's a conductor uh, because they, they always know where the downbeat is, but when there's not a sure. conductor, uh, it, it takes um, a strong leader in, in an ensemble to, to, to follow and, and to, to keep the tempo going. But uh, the accidental, um, you know, the rhythmic, uh, composites that are made uh, sometimes because the, the the musicians aren't metronomes and they're not able to do it absolutely perfectly and so there's there's subtle shifting and changing inside of that it creates uh, in for for me for my taste this sense of uh, flux if you will uh, mm-hmm. that's really uneasy it's uneasy to play uh, if it, it feels it doesn't feel comfortable sometimes uh, it's confusing to listen to you cause you're not sure where, uh, to, you know, place things. And so a lot of my music, mm-hmm. uh, has that, but, uh, I think I was really exploring it a lot in this piece. So that maybe that's where some of the uneasiness comes from on the, in these layering of, of ideas, rhythms. That's really, uh, that's really interesting that you're, I, I mean, you, so you're you're just starting to learn painting, or have you been doing this for some time? Or I've been I've been pretending to paint for <laughs> for a few years now, yeah. And uh, okay, so I dabbled in a lot of things because I, I I find that um, I I find that a lot of the art forms, studying the other art forms, even at an amateur level, informs uh, uh, they inform each other. In, in yeah, really abs- positive ways. Absolutely. Yeah, and so, um, uh, like for instance, on if you follow my Instagram uh, page, it's uh, exclusively uh, black and white photography. I'm obsessed with it. I'm I'm not you know great at it, but uh, I I just I love it. And uh, 
And so then I also paint and uh, I, I do a few other things. But, um, but I, th I think it's fun and it's gotten the painting, uh, which I'm starting to, to Im improve at, I think. The painting has made me, has gotten me to think about my composing and also my, my music making as a, as a saxophonist as well. Right, right. I just, I always think it's so interesting, like when someone who has kind of mastered an art, I mean, ma mastered is a, you know, whatever, sure, yeah. you're really good at what you do. So <laughs> like someone who, someone who has come to that and then the, the willingness to kind of basically start something new and, and also know that, well, I'm, I'm going to suck at this for a while, yeah. you know? Like, and that's that, I think that's really hard for a lot of people. I know it's hard for me. Like <laughs> the, the willingness to just say, it's like, well, I'm going to really suck at this for a long time. It's not going to feel good for a while until like, you know, you, you put in the, you put in the time and the effort to get, to get to some place where you're like, oh, well this is, this is coming up to the level that I have in this other domain, you know? Yeah, sure. So uh, that that reminds me of something else altogether, all um, and uh, it's that my wife and I love to play uh, board games. Mm -hmm. And right now we're on this uh, sort of epic, uh, like four or five year uh, cribbage uh, streak, and we keep uh -huh. score for forever. And uh, oh but, my gosh! Yeah, I know. But uh, uh, cribbage is a bad example of this because the games are rather short, so you have lots of wins and lots of losses. But right now we're playing a lot of uh, Monopoly. Mm -hmm. And so, and Monopoly takes a long time. You have to have lots of patience. And uh, my wife loves to win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's great. I, I think it's so much fun. We, we, ha we enjoy each other so much. Uh, but, but I find that um, in, in games, in board games, uh, uh, I don't know why, uh, for some reason, I, I really enjoy just the playing of the game. And so I, mm -hmm. I, I can... I can lose and still have a lot of fun. And so, and what that right. tells me about myself is that I, I think I really like process, you know, process as opposed to product. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm not necessarily, um, I'm not, uh, obsessed on, on, on the final version. I'm, I'm really thinking about where, where is it going? You know, am I enjoying myself as I'm doing it? Am I learning something? And so, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe that That's translates awesome. to my music in some way. I'm not really sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So this, we're going to listen to the recording of this now. And this uh, was premiered and we're going to hear the premiere recording, I assume. Yeah. And this is the Columbus, Ohio Discovery Ensemble, which we will talk about after we hear the piece. But who were the players on this particular piece from that ensemble? So in, in this uh, performance, we have on flute Aaron Helgeson-Torres, who's my wife um, and the, my favorite musician in the whole world. <laughs> she didn't pay me to say that. Um, and uh, No, but we, she is standing right behind you. Like. Right. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, also uh, friends of mine, um, Nomi Joy Marcus, uh, who's uh, an amazing, amazing percussionist. Uh, and uh, a local pianist who's also a joy to work with, uh, Hector Garcia. So this is Here Lies the Body of This World for Flute, Vibraphone, and Piano.
So let's talk about code. And this is uh, the new music ensemble that uh, you founded in, and kind of serves the central Ohio region. And uh, code is an acronym and it stands for the Columbus, Ohio Discovery Ensemble. So when did you start this ensemble and what kind of projects have you put on with it? We are, we just finished, code just finished our third season. So um, we are three years old. Um, it started 2015, I think. Okay. Uh, and, <clears throat> uh, you know, at first, I, 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 I've been wanting to make music um, in, a, in a contemporary music, um, in an ensemble, for a long time. I, I've always wanted to sort of start my own contemporary music ensemble. But, mm-hmm. but doing something like that is not, it's not something that you just start, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it takes it takes um, a lot of there are a lot of factors that go into it, like uh, knowing the right people, um, and uh, having the right community, and it's it's there's a need for it and, and those sorts of things, um, because at the time 
when I started it, I wasn't in school anymore. I'd finished my, my uh, doctorate and my, my, uh, my second master's after my doctorate. I was completely not a student. And so I didn't have the resources of, of being attached to a university at the right. time. So um, it really just stemmed um, from wanting to make, make music at a high level uh, with my friends, the music that I loved. But uh, I think that the most important factor uh, to start with was that I had a group, a community that wanted to, to make music with me and, and valued that kind of music and that level of, um, that level of creative intensity. Uh, it, it wasn't a side project, and I, I never envisioned it as a side project at all. It was always going to be all or nothing for me. And, um, and I, I was just so fortunate because I... You know, in, in Columbus, we have uh, an abundance of amazing performers who aren't just great players, but they really care about um, contemporary music and the community that, that we're building. But mm-hmm. they're also, they're great people. And, yeah. and that, that makes such a difference in, in making music with, with, with your friends, you know. So who were who were some of those members that you know were were the people that were integral to you being able to start this? Yeah. So uh, the the <clears throat> the starting members were uh, uh, Aaron Helga Santoris, my wife on flute, um, uh, local clarinetist Justin Johnston, uh, his wife uh, Carrie Habercorn. Uh, Oh, at the time we had a, a great percussionist, uh, Johnny Mendoza, who uh, moved away, uh, but uh, to Texas for for work, and and he's doing really wonderfully. And he recommended uh, when he left um, the percussionist who we have now, Nomi Joy Marcus, who's who's just fantastic. But uh, yeah, it was it was like six members, and uh, I I wrote. I remember uh, I, I was uh, Aaron and I were working at the Brevard Music Center. Uh, as assistant deans of students and, and, you know, working with high school kids all summer long. And, uh, and I had this, you know, big idea and I just wrote this like five page email to all my friends saying, uh, <laughs> I want to do this project. I'm really serious about it. Here's what it's, what it is. And, and everyone was like, uh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very quickly we found, um, we found, uh, a community. We found uh, patrons in Columbus, uh, the Johnstone Fund for New Music. And what they did was, uh, Jack and Zoe, who, who have been a, a tremendous inspiration to me uh, in, in uh, pretty much every facet of, of, of uh, this new music culture and community, not only in Columbus, but, uh, but uh, in, and how they, they really go well beyond Columbus and, and, and create relationships. But, but anyway... Um, they taught me uh, about concert production, mm-hmm. really, uh, and I had done. I, I had, you know, uh, put on festivals and and all this stuff. I was a, you know, a conference host for SCI, and um, I had done concerts. You know, I was. I'm. My background is is um, music education, so I was a band director. So I, I know how to put a concert on, but but to produce a show. To, right. Yeah, yeah. That's different. Yeah, totally different. And and the Johnstones and the Johnstone Fund just mentored us. And they were they they did it with such openness and generosity. They just they they were willing to sit down and have a conversation and talk about how to how to create 
an experience and how to build an audience and how to, you know, um, you know, do the whole social media thing. I mean, like every facet of it, they were really uh, inspiring and, and helpful. I think the word experience is so, so important to live music at this point because I, I was just talking with a colleague today about how I'm I'm just so kind of I'm I'm over the the traditional concert experience where you go to some recital hall and it's concert lighting and you know you see however many pieces and it never changes and it's just like it's it's boring you know because it's not an experience anymore you could get you could get the same exact experience with headphones at your home so being able to create something that the audience cannot get in their, you know, sitting in front of their computer or with headphones on. I think that's like the most important thing for for live music at this point. Yeah. So you, I, I agree with you completely. I think um, I like to think about uh, code uh, as providing an, uh, an experience. Um, and, and I hope people come and, and, and are surprised and are confused and have questions and, and are excited and, and a wonder. I hope people wonder you know, right. when, they're, when they're listening to the music. But some of the things that we learned uh, along the way, uh, because code in, in three years, we've, we've grown a lot and we've uh, had lots of um, experiences ourselves that have really changed our focus and, and sort of we've, we've learned and, and um, we've evolved in many ways. But you have to start from somewhere. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, what we sort of hope to do in every concert is um, uh, we have some like sort of rules for ourselves. Concerts, code concerts are free. Mm-hmm. We want to make that we want to make it open to absolutely everyone. Uh, so there's there's no uh, cost barrier to, to getting into experiencing these shows. Uh, now, that being said, I do a lot of grant writing uh, to, to, tr- to be able to pay my musicians, uh, uh fair wages, uh, so that even though the shows are free, the, the art is, is being paid for. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, but, but the shows are, are free for, for people. The concerts are very strictly one hour long. We try, mm-hmm. we try not to go over that. And, and I think that the reason is, uh, mostly selfish. You know, I, I love, um, you know, late romantic music, you know, just as much as anybody else, uh, like Mahler, for instance, I love Mahler, but God, I, I'm a trained musician with four degrees and I have such a hard time fully concentrating the entire time through no, a Mahler symphony. Me too. So Me if, too. if I have a hard time with that, how do I expect my audience to, to, you know, concentrate, you know, that long? So for, for us, we try to create, uh, an experience that sort of can, can, peak the imagination, but not overload the imagination, not sensory overload. Um, and we always try as much as possible to, to have uh, diversity in, in, in the programs. And I mean diversity in, in many facets. I mean diversity in, in terms of um, the type of music that you hear, the aesthetic, 
the, the venues. Uh, we try to do different kinds of venues throughout uh, the city. Every single concert is hopefully in a different place, different you know, uh, audience base. The, the composers, gender, uh, you know, ethnicity. We're trying, to, we're trying to create something that appeals to everyone, but, but also um, shows, and this is really important, shows the, the diversity that already exists inside of our city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're very locally uh, um, oriented. Uh, I, I mean, our name, our, our name is this, our city, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And so we're we're looking for um, we're looking for experiences that tell the story of 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 who we are of of, and we're also trying to make the uh, the uh, the idea that composers are alive and working very real and tangible to our audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're, we, we often talk about um, the idea that uh, composers in Columbus are your neighbor. Right. I mean, right, yeah. you, you could be walking in the grocery store next to a composer. I mean, they're real people, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah. And so, and that's very important to us uh, in terms of making, making a lasting connection because uh, I think I think um, I believe as a composer and as a performer that that music is intrinsically human. It reflect yes. it reflects us. It resembles us. It represents us. Uh, I mean, it is us. And so, a, a a a piece of music from a living composer tells the story of what it is to be alive. Maybe in Columbus, Ohio, or wherever you know that composer is from. And so, I, I think that that community is interested in that, even if they don't know it yet. That's awesome. I mean, when I, I, I came to see one of your shows in, uh, I believe it was May or June. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, but anyway, I, I came to you, uh, you guys were playing, um, a piece by, uh, Jamie Lee Sampson, who is obviously part of this, uh, part of this collective, uh, part of adjective, uh, the founder of adjective. Um, co-founder and um i was just you know the the venue was cool like you know the lighting was good you had really good projections um so that like and 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 this you know this is this is a big one honestly like we could take our drinks into the into the venue you know because i i have found that every really really positive uh, concert experience I've ever had has been when it was not in a recital hall and all the rules of the recital, Oh, no food and drink, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it, lights have to be whatever. Like if those go away, it really opens you up to, to hear, to, to experiencing not only to just hearing the music, but having an experience. So that I, I think what you guys are doing is really cool. Um, I want to uh, I want to go on to your next piece. Um, we'll we'll come back to code at the end, but uh, the next piece I want to talk about is I wonder at the idleness of tears, and this is for flute quartet. So uh, this was premiered by the Divertimento Flute Quartet. How did this commission come about? My wife plays in in Divertimento, um, and. Uh... So I've gotten to know all the members pretty well, and uh, you know I, I think that's that's one of the cool things about um, uh, musicians right now. Uh, we're, we're so interested in in making lots of different kinds of you know uh, 
types of music and, and also mm-hmm. having different experiences. So like, you know, uh, my wife is playing in like all kinds of ensembles and they're all so cool. And I'm, I'm playing in lots of different things. Uh, but you get to meet so many different people and you get to make so much uh, different kinds of music in, in different venues and different uh, uh, communities. It, it's very exciting right now. But anyway, um, so uh, I got to know them through my wife. Uh, but actually, it wasn't my wife who was interested in commissioning me. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, well, she is your wife. She's, yeah, she's right. heard you a lot, you know. Well, not, I mean, she's my she's like my muse, you know. And, and I, I've written a lot of flute music, as you would imagine. Uh, right. You know, being married to a flute player, and uh, the the cool thing about you know being married to uh, a great musician is that I, I mean, they're your guinea pig. You know, they're they're you know. They're in it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, actually the, the group was, I, I think that they, they had heard some of my other pieces and, and the group came up with this idea, uh, that they, they wanted to commission me and, uh, and time had passed and it was, you know, an idea and you know how it is with, um, you know, uh, the spark of an idea. Oh, I, I really like that person's music. I'd love to play it. And then it just kind of goes away or whatever. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, something magical happens right away or sometimes it takes a few years. But uh, I, I knew that they, they wanted a piece and uh, I had just come back from the National Flute Association conference where Aaron was playing a different piece of mine. And, uh, I, you know, she was, she was uh, doing certain uh, events at NFA and uh, I... I started to wander in NFA because I, I was like, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here as a composer. There's so many flute players. <laughs> uh, so I, I wandered into a um, flute quartet recital and I was just listening. And I, in the back of my head, I knew that Divertimento had, had said they were interested in a piece and I was just listening to flute quartet. And I was, I was thinking, wow, this really, this really works. And you know, there, there's some really cool sounds that you can get out of this. And and I'm a saxophonist, right? So, um, so my my whole life as a saxophonist, I've grown up in uh, saxophone quartets, and this sort of this concept of the homogenous sound and, and how to right. how to make that work. And so, um, you know, I I felt really comfortable with with the idea of of four flutes, um, and so you know, I just started. I just, it was just like, honestly, it was just a passion project. I just started writing cause I just got ideas and I told them afterwards, Hey, and I've written this piece for you guys. And, uh, I think l- literally this was a $100 commission. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it wasn't even about the money. It was just like, right. it was just passion. I, I just really liked the idea that I got. And, and these people were friends of mine and they were, they were genuinely excited about my music. And, and, um, I, I just wanted to celebrate that. Uh, my own way by writing this piece. So that's how it sort of came about. So the, there are four movements in this piece. Uh, at least that's what it sounds like. Um, and the movements seem like they are pretty tightly controlled, um, like compositionally controlled and, you know, in terms of like register and material. So I'm, I'm interested in what were the limitations that you set for yourself as you wrote to kind of, obtain that level of control so um in terms of limitations you know i i think um the only rule i had for myself was that i didn't want to write a court a flute quartet that was 
uh, flute one gets all the solos and then flute right. four part just really sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, cause you know that, Hey, that would be easy to do, you know, four flutes, uh, you know, one person is the leader. Um, so it, the, the only sort of rule I gave for myself going into this was that uh, I wanted to give all these people who I, I knew they're playing and I, they were all friends of mine. I wanted to give them opportunities to shine. And, um, and so, uh, everyone had to have sort of moments and, uh, each group had to have the ability to go, uh, all over the horn. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't, beyond that, I didn't really have any rules, uh, but I did find like my last, the last piece, uh, that we listened to, I found, uh, text that was really inspiring. And then, and then that kind of just started, you know, started the whole process of, of, uh, what this piece was going to be about. So. Right. So that, and the title is, comes from a sonnet by Lizette Woodworth Reese, and the, that sonnet is called Tears. So, like, how did you how did you come? I obviously you're a big reader. Um, so, how did you come across the text? And and what about you know what about that spoke to you? Uh, well, I I don't remember how I found this text. I, I was just you know reading uh, a lot of poetry, and um, this 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 poem just like screamed at me. It was just so beautiful and so sad. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, all the lines from this this poem are just uh, just really beautiful, and uh, I I just wanted to I just wanted to try to make this come to life in my imagination. Is mm-hmm. all it was. Um, yeah, and 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 I think that it, for me this this is one of my uh, um, it's one of my favorite of of my own pieces. Uh, it, it's it's, it's really, um, special to me because, uh, you know, I, I know all these people so, so well and they, they're really, uh, great people and, and good friends. And, uh, I, I, this poem really touched me. So, uh, I'm kind of like, it's sentimental to me and I mm-hmm. feel, I feel like even when I, when I was writing it, that some of the themes were sentimental, they sounded yeah. sentimental in my imagination. So, right. uh, I think I, I started that way and I just went with it. Okay. Yeah. So let's listen to it now. Um, this is the Divertimento Flute Quartet playing it. So the members of Divertimento are Clay Hammond, Kana Murakoshi, McDaniel, Angela Heck Mueller, and uh, Aaron Helgeson Torres. Okay. So here is I Wonder at the Idleness of Tears, performed by the Divertimento Flute Quartet.
The beginning of the third movement of the flute quartet really brought out, for me as a listener, a sense of like ligety, you know, with that low clustery opening. And and the fourth movement kind of had this, I mean, I don't I don't mean to compare you to other composers or anything, but oh, you know, they 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 just have this sound that's like it's just this instant association. Like the fourth movement kind of had a Philip Glass music in 12 parts, you know, kind of feeling to me. And and in this piece that we're going to listen to uh next uh called Attentional Control, um this piece has, you know, a lot of repetition and kind of that clustery sound again. So are these you know, for you, are these pieces or composers, you know, that I brought up, even if they're right or wrong, you know, you, you can you can tell me. But um, is that something you're actively thinking about when you're composing or are these techniques kind of just so deeply embedded into your overall language or neither? Yeah, so, um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, as good a, answer yeah yeah right as a as a quick answer i, I don't know uh, but uh you know i would say um i i am as a composer i think uh, a lot of my music um started as an early composer uh with the idea of gesture mm-hmm. so so um in other words i, I when i was First starting, and I started, I'm a non-traditional uh, student of, of composition. I, I started uh, f- formally studying very late. Um, so, I, I mean, I've been composing my whole life, but I didn't start really studying. Uh, I did a little bit of study in my undergrad, uh, although my major was was music ed. And then I, I, I took like two years with uh, my first teacher, Carr Usla at Stetson, uh, who's now at Berkeley. But then I, I stopped, you know, for a certain time, and I look back at those compositions, and I was learning a lot. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I've, you know, <laughs> I'm a different composer now. Yeah, sure. Uh, right, yeah. But, but then I, I didn't really start studying uh, again very seriously until my doctorate in saxophone. And, and um, so uh, I, I think I was obsessed with the idea of the, um, the, the gesture as effect, Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, and I still like that. I still, I still like that. Uh, and, and sometimes I like to, to utilize that as a tool to sort of ch- like sort of shift gears and, and change the, like how, how the music might affect you in a physical way. Um, mm-hmm. so like for instance, the third movement has these like low long pauses and then all of a sudden there's this jarring hit at the top, almost uh, as a sh- like a shock to the system, um, and so f- for me, I-, I almost don't see the s- the aesthetic of the third movement uh, uh, as sort of conflicting with the aesthetic of of the fourth movement. I almost feel it like see it sort of as like an emotional, uh, like a, an internal, um, maybe emotional or intellectual uh, or. Um, uh, uh, development in mm-hmm. other words uh, I can uh, as a human uh, sort of feel sad and then feel happy that's okay mm-hmm. right uh, not not to equate music to emotion because that that's not always you know uh, the case but I'm also allowed to feel uh, conf- uh, conflicted and then 
con- conviction right afterwards. You know, and and I think that 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 journey is is very human, uh, because I think that uh, the number one thing I think that perhaps defines humanity is uh, change. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Uh, that's like a Marcus, my favorite our Marcus Aurelius quote: uh, "The universe is opinion, life is change," uh, and and <clears throat> and I sort of uh, I describe my music in that re- in that respect. Um, there's this uh, juxtaposition of consonance and dissonance, and and I think that uh, being a being a non traditional composer helped me in that respect. Non traditional in the sense that I, you know I feel like I started really late. Uh, I wasn't afraid of of um, of of mixing the two aesthetics. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, young composers feel like they have to uh, be in a certain style or a certain camp, and I've never really felt that pull because I I feel like my music uh, fits in both both camps. So yeah, what whether it's maybe I'm in, inspired by Ligeti or or you know or someone, and then maybe Philip Glass. I, I don't. I really don't know, and and maybe that's completely true. But I feel like it's just genuinely me. You know, uh, my, my not my music, but my personality. It's just it's just who I am. Well, I think the way you described it as being like this is this is a product of gesture. And I think that's what I was kind of getting at earlier when I was talking about, you know, it sounds controlled. It is, it, it does, it's, I was especially thinking of the third movement because, you know, you you really have just a couple types of material in that movement yeah. that are used to great effect. But I guess that, I I guess now I kind of see it as, well, it's almost like you have you know, we kind of think of a musical gesture as being something that's quick, you know. Yeah. But if you take something something like just going low to high or something in that in that third movement, you know, and you just explode it out. Yeah. And it's it's almost like you're looking at the you know, you've got a microscope on that on that gesture and you're seeing all the internal motion that might only take a second to play out in real time, but you're Maybe and I'm not saying this is what you were thinking of, but but I think that that makes more sense to me, you know, like as as a listener that, you know, that the this control is a product of gesture. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be when I was when I was, uh, you know, much younger. I was uh, sort of addicted to form, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think that you know. Uh, I was very controlling of, of, of the music in that respect when I was younger. And now I just sort of let it, let it happen and, and form, you know, evolves in my, in my music. But I, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Right. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I get it because, because yeah. I think I had, the, I, I think I had the same thing for, for a while where I was yeah. just, you know, like the, it was for years, actually, it was always so much, and it still happens to, to a certain degree even now, but I was so, the, the process of thinking about the piece was so much more fun than the actual writing of the piece. Yeah. Um, so in developing those like formal associations, oh, this is going to be X number of seconds, or this is going to have this proportion to this other thing, you yeah. know, like that is so much more fun. And then when you actually get into the process of it, you realize, oh, well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right with this material. Like the material needs to breathe. It needs to like go farther. So that's where that like kind of meeting of the, of the two worlds kind of comes in where, 
where you're like, well, I started off with this plan, but I, the music needs to be what it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I thought I'm at the point where I just sort of uh, let it happen. You know? Yeah. So for this piece that we're about to hear, Attentional Control, this is for flute, uh, B-flat clarinet, alto saxophone, and bassoon. So a kind of... Uh, you know, single reedy, double reedy, no reedy, you know, woodwind, <laughs> woodwind uh, quartet. Yeah. So what's, what's the kind of, what's the story behind this piece? Like what, what's driving this? Okay. Attentional control uh, is all about um, uh, an individual's capacity to choose what they pay attention to and uh, what they ignore. Um Basically, uh, it's all about an individual's capacity to concentrate uh, or not, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so it's sort of like if you're uh, in a conversation, the conversation uh, changes. The conversation, if it's a good conversation, it evolves, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I mean, there's... Very true. Yeah, it, there's give and take and there's push and pull and sort of like following the, the if, if you will, like the curvature, the shape of a conversation, right? And um, back to gesture, right? That is, you know, a theme for me, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, uh, an emphasis on rhythm. This piece is very uh, rhythmic centric, mm-hmm. rhythm centric. And, and so, uh, like, I have this idea of sort of like... Uh, this this morphing this amorphousness of uh, of uh, of these instruments and how they can do it with <clears throat> with dynamics and, and minimal movement in in uh, parts of the piece and so <clears throat> um, so uh, yeah I, I, I don't know it's uh, I I really wanted to write this, uh, a piece originally for the core members of um, of code. So uh, flute, clarinet, saxophone, and bassoon, like we're the four first members of, of the code ensemble. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, when I started the ensemble, I wasn't necessarily, th- I, the, my first thought was like, was not, oh, I want to make a, a Perot ensemble like everyone else, right? So I, I wanted yes. to make, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to make an ensemble that, that, uh, that had room to grow, uh, number one, uh, was made up of, of my friends my friends whom I trusted musically, artistically, uh, and communicatively. And and that's, this is what I had. And so, uh, there was nothing written for it that I'm aware of. Uh, so I said, well, I have to write something. And, uh, and then, uh, actually, uh, this is the second piece for this instrumentation. The first piece was, um, a commission that code did, uh, for a, a local composer who's a good friend of mine, Charlie Wilmoth, and he wrote this wonderful piece, and 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 we loved playing together, and so we decided to uh, keep doing, it. and I, I so I wrote another piece to keep the magic going, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, uh, I I think that uh, again my experience with chamber music as a performer is saxophone quartet, and and that. Uh, like the, the the flute quartet is uh, very homogenous, right? Uh-huh. Uh, like a string quartet, and uh, I was, uh, I, I think I was really trying to figure out how to make these four uh, woodwind instruments almost sound homogenous. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they do. 
I, th- I really think they do. Like at, at a certain point, I kind of forgot you had a bassoon for a while, you know, and then all of a sudden that they that kind of comes out of the texture and and that, you know, that gains my attention. But, you know, until they until the the particular instrument or the particular line comes out of the texture, it, it really is this kind of amorphic kind of. uh yeah, it's 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 a very colorful sound. It's just you don't know what color you're listening to. Right, exactly. And uh, I I think um, the for for me I'm I'm biased of course because I'm a saxophonist. But I think the glue inside of that combination is the saxophone uh, mm-hmm. be, because it resonates so well and it it sort of uh, is that middle voice that sort of uh, soaks up some of the other sounds or has some lower overtones uh, and and I um. You know, I, I think it, it was kind of fun from an orchestration perspective, figuring out how to, how to do this. But uh, but yeah, I was going for that homogenous sound and, and the gesture, the, the shape of the amorphousness and, and that sort of thing. And I was definitely inspired by, I mean, you'll definitely hear my love for like indie rock and roll on here and like that sort mm-hmm. of like rhythm. Um, yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So we're going to listen to it now. This, again, is the Columbus, Ohio Discovery Ensemble Code. And uh, the players, would I would assume, would be Aaron. And I can't remember your clarinetist name right Ju- now. Justin Johnston. And, and yourself on saxophone. And then who's right. playing bassoon? And uh, Carrie Haberkern. Yeah. Okay. So this is attentional control for flute, B-flat clarinet, alto saxophone, and bassoon played by Code. Thank you. 
So we've come to the part of the podcast uh, where I ask the same question to every composer, musician, artist that comes on. So um, how did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. You, you'd, you'd be surprised how often I get that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I... Um, uh, you know, I grew up in a in a household. Uh, my 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 parents are not musicians, but they were lovers of music, mm-hmm. and so they listened like crazy to everything. I mean, I I grew up uh, as a as a like a baby all the way through high school uh, with music on all the time, and it was everything from from um, you know uh, you know pop and. Uh, classic rock and oldies and, and country music and uh, uh, Latin American music and Latin jazz and uh, you know Afro-Cuban uh, music and I mean just classical music certainly and just straight up jazz we listened to absolutely everything and they weren't shy about it they were they were interested they were really actively interested in listening to all these these things and so I, I, you know I, I don't know why I'm a musician, but, but I love it. I'm a passionate ab- about it. And I think I always have been passionate about listening. And I think that's sort of what got me to where I am. Awesome. Well, uh, before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you online, hear some more of your music, connect with you, those kinds of things? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if, if, uh, you're looking for me online. It's uh, www.michaelrenetorres.weebly.com. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in, in uh, Code, the Columbus High Discovery Ensemble, we're uh, Code New Music. Uh, uh, .weebly.com. Yeah, I think that's right. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Thanks so much for doing this, Michael. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's been just a wonderful experience. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.